Welcome to the Author Blur Podcast. Here, we're here to connect readers and authors so that the readers, you, can find that book or that author you're going to love. So I appreciate you being here. Get ready. Enjoy the show. Enjoy knowing the authors. And remember, subscribe. Tell people about the show. And Go buy the author's books, because if you like listening to them and you think they're interesting, they're going to love hearing from you. So I'm here with R.G. Belsky, and you might also know him as Dana Perry, who, I mean, R.G. has written 20 books at this point, and that's not including his journalism background, all the other things he's had going on. I mean, literally... I could spend the whole show just talking about the things that I've read up on you on the things that, and I said, I, the list of your books, like I said, 20 books, RG, if you can, can you help me out a little bit? Tell everybody a bit about yourself. Tell us a bit about your books and then we can go in because I know you have a new one out. It's just, it's news to me. Right. So that's your newest one out right now, I believe. So, right. Well, yeah, so I've uh, I've had two careers, and both of them have uh, been a lot of fun, um, uh, one of which is as a journalist, and I spent most of my life as a working journalist uh, here in New York City, where I live. Uh, I was a metropolitan editor of the New York Post for a long time uh, during, during the period when it was owned by Rupert Murdoch. Uh, well, it's still owned by Rupert Murdoch, but his first time around and it sold like a million copies. This is when people read newspapers all the time. <laughs> so those were pretty wild, heady days. I spent a uh, another period as the news editor of Star Magazine covering everything from O.J. Simpson trial to celebrities to political scandals. Um, and uh, that's when everybody got their celebrity news in the supermarket before the internet. So that was great. Uh, then I wound up as managing editor of the New York Daily News, um, you know, the longtime paper here in New York. And then I wound up my career with um, six years at uh, NBC News. Well, NBC, first the local stations, then NBC News. So, you know, I had a, yeah, I had a ball as a, as a journalist. Um, but uh, even though, you know, there were a lot of stories to do and I was very busy, I still was writing fiction. And, you know, I, I stopped working as a journalist full time, I guess, in 2014. And um, I've published a lot of books since then. Uh, and people will say to me, like, oh, that's really nice. You know, you stepped down from full time work and now you write, you know, now you write books. And I'm like, no, I always wrote the books. Uh, uh, I published my first novel, I think, in 1985. All right. And uh, I published uh, several more during the 90s. It, I had a series about another TV reporter. I had a couple of standalone thrillers. And then uh, since I left in 2004, since I left NBC in 2014, I've been, you know, pouring it out. And uh, yeah, the numbers get kind of staggering when I when I actually total them up. But uh, I've now had 20 published books, 16 of them under my own name and four under the pen name of... Uh, Dana Perry, uh, the, uh, the the current one, the one that's out now, the most, well, they're all out, but the most recent <laughs> one is called, it's uh, news to me. 
And uh, that's the fifth in a series I've done about a a TV journalist in New York City. Amazingly enough, I I wrote about a TV journalist in New York City. And uh, her name is Claire Carlson. And, you know, and she's she solves murders. So uh, that's 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 pretty much what I've been doing for the past uh, half century or so. All right. Well, sounds like a busy, busy history there all in itself. So what, I mean, what actually got you into writing fiction? What, was there a specific story? Did you just have yeah, something? Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, everybody, you know, that's that's an easy answer, and it's an answer <laughs> that probably a lot of mystery authors will have the same answer as me. But uh, it was uh, Raymond Chandler. I, I was in a used bookstore or something, and I picked up, this would have been back like a long time ago, obviously, before I started writing. And... Uh, I had never really been a mystery fan. I mean, I had I had thought about writing some fiction. I, I had read like some old time people. I used to read Ring Lardner, who I loved, you know, and I was mm-hmm. I would try and write some fiction, but I wasn't thinking mystery. And I didn't even really read mysteries. Uh, I'm not even sure I had ever read a mystery at that point. <laughs> but I picked up uh, Raymond Chandler. I'm pretty sure it was The Big Sleep. Um, and uh I started to read it, and uh, you know, like when you start reading Chandler, if you've never seen him, you're just kind of blown away. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh, wow! I'm gonna maybe I could write this kind of book." And um, I sat down and I started to write, and I wrote a you know really pretty horrendous imitation of <laughs> Chandler with a really kind of tedious, boring newspaper reporter wearing a hat and doing stuff and it you know it it really was a lot harder than I thought it would be but um but I stayed at it and it took a few years but eventually uh I was able to get my uh, first novel published and and once that happened I never stopped so I've really been writing like I said over the years and even though there have been periods where I've been like totally consumed with there was a period I wrote a lot of books in the 90s and I didn't have anything published until 2014 uh, and, but, you know, I was working at the Daily News, I was working at NBC, and, uh, but I was still writing, so I still had books, um, so um, a lot of those books or versions of them have made their way into the published books now, because, uh, uh, you know, I just, I've always had a lot of material. Um, I'm one of those people, um, I'm sure there are other writers like this, but not all, who actually love the the craft of writing. I enjoy the process. I'm happy to do stuff like this, but for me, right. the real pleasure is sitting and writing. If I was not being published, uh, I would still probably be writing books. So, uh, you know, it's it's been a great it's been it's it's been great, and uh, um, I still do it every day. I every day I sit down and I. And I write, and uh, it's not painful. I mean, it's a little frustrating sometimes, but it's but it's good. All right. So now, one thing that you did say we made the comment: write what you know before the yeah. interview started. <laughs> so well, here's here's well, I was just gonna say well, well, I was, before you ask your question, I was gonna say there's a little selfish reason I have for this: <laughs> write what you know, which is like one of the things I hate to do is uh, research. Uh, and and the reason for this is not because I'm particularly lazy, uh, but because I spent most of my life doing research as a journalist. I mean, it's all about facts. It's all about you got to make sure you know everything. You got to dig into everything. The writing is actually kind of secondary to the 
getting all the material right. And uh, for me, once I started writing novels, one of the great parts was I didn't have to worry about the facts. I didn't have to worry about it. I could just make it up, whatever it is. <laughs> I, I don't have to write about a restaurant or an office building and make sure that I, it's on the right address or anything. I just I can make up a restaurant or an office building. So um, I, I just... I just sort of like the idea of avoiding research and by writing what I know, I mean, I write about newsrooms and I know about newsrooms, so I don't really have to look. I know about the media, so I don't have to really. And I base my books in New York City, um, which I've lived in for most of my adult life, although I'm not a native New Yorker. So I know a lot about New York. Um, and the only time I have to actually do uh, research is like if I, you know, if I have Claire go to like Los Angeles or something, then it, then I have to find somebody that knows a bit more about it. Um, but anyway, yeah, so that's kind of why I write what I know. I actually think it's a good technique, but for me, it it just it saves a lot of time. <laughs> oh, I understand. Trust me, my first two books are written in Rising Sun, Ohio, Northwest Ohio, where I grew up just simply because I remember the roads. I remember all this stuff very easily, so that makes perfect sense to me. Yeah, well, I'm from I'm from Northeast Ohio. I'm from Cleveland, okay. actually. And uh, when I have Claire, a lot of times in my books, when I have to have a setting, uh, and in fact, in some of the Dana Perry books I'm writing now, that you know, I use Ohio because exactly what you say. Uh, I like to say, well, you know, I know, I you know, just one of the things that you're you desperately don't want is somebody to read your book and say, oh, well, you don't really know about that, or you don't understand that. <laughs> And right. they can read my books, but they can't say I don't know about a newsroom. You know, uh, although right. one or two people have said this, well, I've stopped the way a newsroom really works. And, uh, you know, and I'll just say, well, you know, I've been in a lot of newsrooms and this is what happens in the newsrooms I've been in. Well, you know, it's kind of like I spoke with another author who was a cop. And mm -hmm. the one thing that brought up was the fact of people like for me for an example i only see or know about the cop's life from what you see on tv right, right or you right. hear or read about in the book right right so most people tend to sit there and say oh well that's what it's on tv so that has to be how it is right so, right and i even asked him i said you know you always see these movies where the cops only have one case they're focused on and he's like, no, that's nowhere near. Because sometimes yeah. they'll have multiple cases going at a time. And he explained it to me. So it's that whole thing of, and I can understand, like, I have no idea other than watching, like, um, news radio and from right. the old days and other, <laughs> other shows like that where they showed a newsroom and how things supposedly happen. And well, that's my only reference. So I... I can see how people have mistaken that. Right. But but I should also add this caveat, which is uh, that when people say to me, like, wow, you really, with Claire Carlson, you really created a, 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 a really accurate image of what the newsroom is. I really, oh, that's how a newsroom works. And mm -hmm. my answer is no, because this is <laughs> fiction. It's like it's like you talked about the cop. He's working on 12 cases, but nobody wants to see that on TV. Right. Um, it's, it's like, uh, you know, Raymond, Raymond, uh, Raymond Chandler used to tell the famous story about, 
one critic one time, you know, savaged, I don't know how you could do it, but savaged the Philip Marlowe character and say, he's not a realistic PI. A PI doesn't meet beautiful blondes and get knocked on the head every time he walks the room. That's not what a PI does. And Chandler's response was, of course it isn't. It's completely, it's completely different. But if I wrote what a real PI did, no one would read me. And I, I think that's what, um, you know, as an author, you have to do. You have to take the basic facts, but then you, you make them... It's fiction in the end. This is not <laughs> true life. This is fiction. And and the example I use with my Claire Carlson character is in as a, I've been a journalist all my life. Uh, in the entire my entire journalistic career, I've never once once heard of a reporter solving a murder on their own. You know, not with the <laughs> cops. You know, but on their own. The report. Never <laughs> once have I seen that or seen an example of it. In my books, it happens every book. I mean, Claire <laughs> solves a murder. Right. Uh, so it's, you know, it's kind of, there's a suspension of belief. It's like, you know, it's like, uh, it, it's it's like, you know, Jessica and Cabot, Cabot Cove, you know, like there's a population of 1,500 people and 400 of them are murdered, you know. Um, <laughs> so that's the balance, I think, is an author you need to do. You want to capture a lot of the real stuff, but... Uh, you also then fictionalize it in a way, you know, this isn't real life. This is, this is, this is an adventure for people. This is an escape for people. Right. Um, and that's, that's, that's what I, what's a lot of authors do, but that's certainly what I try and do in my books. All right. Now here's the question I had. And for some reason this sticks in my mind because I'm going through a book now written by a guy. It has a female protagonist. Yeah. And it's, quite interesting but i know like when i've tried to write female protagonists it just feels weird and off to me i don't feel like i'm doing doing it right because i just can't get in the head of a female and be able to do that what is it that got you to write claire well, or your yeah. protagonists well like it's like with a lot of this stuff it's uh it's not like some well thought out plot or something like that. It's what you feel you can write best. And I've thought about this. I've been asked this a lot. Uh, I Out of the 20 books, I think 14 of them, I'm guessing, uh, involved a female protagonist. Right. And all my books are written in the first person. So mm -hmm. uh, the way this started was when I first started writing uh, back after I'd picked up the Raymond Chandler book, I told you, and then wrote the very bad Raymond Chandler imitation <laughs> with this male right. reporter. I kept trying to get it better and better. And then I finally uh, got a book uh, or the beginning of a book anyway, involving a male reporter. And um, uh, I showed it to a friend of mine who actually was in the publishing industry. She wasn't in mystery publishing, but we were having dinner. And I said, and she said, well, you know, this is really good. You, you really have a lot of talent or whatever as an author. And she said, but, I had an idea, like, what if you turn the male reporter into a woman? Then you could do, you know, A, B, C, and D and have her. And this was back um, in the, when I was writing this, it was back kind of in the late 70s, early 80s. And I don't know how familiar you are with that period, but uh, women were not really uh, a focal point of the mystery world then. Right. Uh, later on, you know, the Sue Graftons and the Janet Ivanoviches and everybody, you know, came with these great female characters, the Kinsey mm -hmm. Malone. <laughs> and everybody, but um, 
you know, when when you worked in a newspaper, many of the women had to work like in the feature section. They weren't covering police. They weren't covering crime. So it gave me the opportunity to not only have my character, uh, whose name was Lucy Shannon, uh, uh, you know, solve mysteries, but also kind of fight at the system and make her way and be tough and all these things that we sort of take for granted now. Um, so I wrote her as a woman and it kind of made the book come alive and the book got sold and everything. And um, then I wrote another series about a woman and then I did a couple things with guys, but um, I, I've always been, I, I like writing the woman character. Fortunately, in general, most women have said, oh, you write women really well. I certainly, you know, try and ask questions of people like women friends that I know uh, every once in a while uh, will say something to me when she reads something of mine like fourth. I have a woman agent, so and she'll say, well, you know, I don't know the woman would do that or say that. And I pretty much always listen to that. Um, right. And sometimes it gets a little tricky. I had uh, I had uh, uh, Claire in one of my previous books, Beyond the Headlines, he gets involved in the whole during the whole Me Too movement. And, you know, you know, there's obviously a lot of political issues there. And Claire, Claire has to kind of navigate that in the newsroom. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's just, it's just more fun. And then the other way is you could write the woman in the third person, but <laughs> I, I don't want to say I can't write in the third person. Uh, I've had like 20 books published. All of them are written in the first person. And people say to me, oh, so you've never written a book in the third person. And my answer is, I've written a number of books in the third person, but they've never gotten published. So there might be a <laughs> lesson there to me. You know, I just write better in the first person. I, I like the immediacy of it. I like the, you know, there are arguments both ways. So as a result, I, um, I yeah, I just do. Uh, my last series actually involved a male reporter named Gil Malloy. I did a series of books for Atria. Uh, on this character, Gil Malloy, from like 2014, I guess, to 2018. But when it came time for this new series, uh, the first book in this in the Claire Carlson series had to be a woman because it, it involved her being a mother and things. So it, it had to be a woman. And then I just kept writing her as a um, as a woman, um, as a woman since then. And um, as I said, you know, there can be some controversy about this, you know, like, are you allowed to write about something you aren't? So do I always have to write about a white male? Uh, but, um, you know, for me anyway, it's, it's been, uh, it's been the way to, it's been the way to go. Well, as long as the story's good is where I come from. My point of view, as long as it's a good story, who cares what you are, as long as you're writing a entertaining, I guess, mostly respectful, as long as you're not trying to trash somebody kind of well, story. Well, the other the other thing that um, the kind of the line I won't cross, um, I think, is that you have to be honest with the reader. And, uh, uh, you know, like the Dana Perry name, for instance, the byline, um, mm -hmm. it's a, uh, you know, it's one of those names, you know, like could be man or woman. Um, right. But I don't. I don't pretend that Dana Dana Perry. So, like, if somebody looks at the book, they might think Dana Perry's woman, but but I'm not trying to convince them of that. Um, if you look up Dana Perry on my website, or you look or or you know whatever, it's a picture of me. 
And the right. bio is of me. I'm Dana Perry, even though I'm not. Um, and I think that's that's where, you know, people, you might get into problems. In other words, if I wrote a book pretending I was a female author, uh, I don't I don't think that's a good, you know, that's a good idea. So I'm very, I think just very honest with the with the readers. And, uh, you know, again, it's fiction. So like, like, mm -hmm. like this isn't real. Uh, it's uh, you're writing, uh, you're writing a female character. And I, I've just, you know, I've always loved great female characters were on television. I mean, you know, I think, uh, you know, I love, for instance, Kinsey Malone is, you know, is terrific, you know, and uh, Milhone, Milhone, if I'd say it right. And, uh, you know, I, and, on TV, the Cagneys and Lacey's and all the ones that followed, um, right. they, they just sometimes add an element that you don't get with the traditional male um, protagonist. And I'll be honest with you, I love a good story with a female protagonist. And the only time it usually kills me is when the story becomes focused around romance and it's trying to be a thriller. So yeah. Well, Those you know, that's a tricky, that's a tricky balance and, uh, everybody handles it differently. I handle, uh, I handle sex and sex and sex and violence are the two trickiest things obviously to handle in a thriller. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, different people do them different ways. Uh, I don't like to read books where they're too gory, you know, where they give the details of the actual, how somebody was cut up and, kept hostage for two days, two weeks in a cave. You know, I hate, I, that creeps me out. Right. And I'm not particularly wild about, you know, reading a long, elaborate sexual scene, you know, within a thriller. Right. Uh, you need both elements. Uh, but mm -hmm. what I tend to do is uh, do the setup and then the follow. So like in terms of sex, I don't give the play by play of what they actually did in bed. I have the character will go to, they'll go to bed and then, you know, they'll wake up the next morning and talk about, you know, the, the, the experience or something. But I try not to dwell on that. And the same way with the murder, I try and I try mostly to have the situation where uh, my my characters come across the murder after it happened, rather than actually detailing the murder being being played out. That, that's just me. And, you know, again, it's like what, the way I like to read books. Um, a great deal of my writing is based on what I like to read. I sort of feel, well, you know, this is what I would want to read. So I'm going to write it like this because there's probably a lot of other people out there like me. And right. uh, that's sort of the concept that's in my head when I'm, uh, when I'm, when I'm writing a book. Uh, would I want to read this? And um, if in doubt about anything, I generally tend to, you know, trust my own instincts as to what I would read and, and just hope for the best. I understand. Now, here's one thing that I'm kind of curious on with you mentioning how you try to keep the sex scene and the violence to a clean level. Do you also keep the language to a clean level, too? Or Hey, I, mean, I, I work I work I work in a lot of New York City newsrooms. <laughs> it's very hard to convey stuff in clean language. This is another thing that different. I, I've been at conferences where authors say they will never use any kind of a curse word, you know, no matter what, not even damn or anything, you know. Right. Um, and then I've read other books where, you know, every other word is the F word or something, yeah. you know. Um, I try to, I, I do, I use it, I think, too much, certainly in the first drafts, because I'll have the character <laughs> going, yeah, you know. And uh, um, 
And then when I can, I'll try and clean it up a bit. But it's a newsroom. And so if somebody gets beat on a big story, they're going to go, oh, God, you know, like, you know, they're not going to go, oh, gosh, you know, um, <laughs> it's it's so you you have to use it to a degree. I right. think one of the things that's changed in that, too, um, as I'm sure you're, you're aware, is that uh, it used to be that, I mean, you know, you'd be watching TV shows and nobody could swear on TV. I mean, it's thing. Now, I mean, it's, oh. people say anything on TV. So the whole uh. concept of what you can say. But I'm, uh, I'm careful about not overusing it. So I do do, but I don't, I, I, I just... I think it's also a little, it can be a little bit lazy for a writer to constantly go back to that when there's better ways of, of saying it. But having said that, you'll find a few uh, four-letter words in my uh, copy. Yeah. And for me, cursing is not a bad thing, as long as, like you said, it's not every page is filled with a curse word, or it's almost like you're just trying to get a reaction. And yeah. at a certain point, once in a while, it's like, oh, okay. It emphasizes it, like you said, in the newsroom. Like, believe me, I've, I've worked in construction. I've worked in right, right. with restaurants. If you don't hear a curse word on a daily five-minute basis, then you're in the wrong place. Well, also, and I don't want to get in. You know, we we I don't want to get into specifics because we all know what right. the specifics are. But there are curse words, and there are curse words, and some yeah. are much worse than others. Uh, and there's a, there's a few that you kind of never really want to use. Um, right. And then there are some that are much more common, you know. Mm -hmm. But there are people who get upset over, you know, saying goddamn or so, you know, the most, right. you know, innocuous kind of thing. Um, and I've never, one of the things I've never really been 100% sure of is that affects like library sales, you know, or not. You know, um, uh, I do know a lot of times when I've submitted a book or something, a contest or event, there'll be a line in there that said, does this contain, you know, whatever, foul language or something, you know, or explicit sex scenes. So um, there are people who are aware of it, but, you know, in our society today where kind of anything goes, yeah. I, I guess it's probably become less of a, less of an issue, but um, I'm not yeah. a big proponent of using it now. Yeah, and, you know, I've spoken with a lot of people. And I know a lot of people that, like you said, today is a, it seems like anything can go kind of a world nowadays, but, you know, for me, I still enjoy the mostly clean, like, right. like I said, don't get me wrong, an occasional, ooh, I didn't realize that, or something like that never really hurts you, but, yeah, yeah, I yeah. Mean, but, so does your books follow a, I guess, I've heard the term evergreen or a timeless kind of writing or do you set it in a certain like you mentioned claire had to deal with the me too movement yeah 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 uh, the, 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 yeah <laughs> i'm laughing because this is a real problem as an author it's only been a real problem for me my books are all set in present day okay uh, uh, but i do do like not flashbacks but like like claire will go back and look into something that was happening in the 70s or the or or the uh, uh, you know the Vietnam and beyond the headlines all involves a guy who had secrets from Vietnam so she has to go back and look at Vietnam but it's all happening from the present day I wrote one the first book I wrote uh, when I started writing again in 2000 well when I started publishing in 2014 is called the Kennedy Connection 
And that involved a guy who has to, a reporter who has to solve a lot of present day murders. And he decides the only way to do that is they're linked to the Kennedy connection. So he has to solve the Kennedy connection. So he's got to go. So you have to go back to 1963. Having said that, all my books are present day, which creates a multitude of problems. <laughs> uh, uh, the most obvious one in, you know, the one that a lot of authors struggle with is COVID. You know, do you put COVID in your books? Right. Uh, uh, I read, you know, like the uh, a recent Michael Conley book. And I think Michael Conley is like the best mystery writer of our time. Mm-hmm. And, you know, every other page, he's got people putting on masks and COVID. And it, it kind of bothered me. You know, I, I mean, I'm not going to tell Michael Conley what to do, but I wish right. he hadn't done that. Um me, COVID doesn't exist in my books. And the reason for that is that um, I, I just feel when, when people are reading my books, it's a fictional world. And in my fictional world, there is no COVID. So I don't have Claire like putting on masks and stuff like that. Uh, does she get involved in, in other things? Well, I try not to get too involved in, well, I try not to get involved at all in politics. I mean, uh, that's another thing. Some really great writers will get involved in politics you know, oh, yeah. in their fictional book, and it always stops me. You know, like mm-hmm. like like uh, uh, again, one of the writers that you asked me who started me writing, and beside Raymond Chandler was Stephen King. I went out, even though it's not mystery mystery, I went out and read every Stephen King book, and I think he's like, you know, he's incredible, a huge right. huge fan. But and he's still writing good books and he writes thrillers as well as horror. But I was writing one of his reading one of his books, which I love. But then everyone said, well, because he's obviously like many people is, you know, a very anti Donald Trump person. And he'll throw in some political stuff about Trump. And that stops me. You know, it's just it doesn't have anything to do with what I believe or who I want president or anything. It's just like, okay, suddenly I'm not in the fictional world anymore. I'm in the real world. So that's the that's the balance you have to do. Now, my biggest problem involves celebrity stuff because all my books have many of the books in the media, and because I have a celebrity background, involve references to celebrities. And um, so I'll have somebody being like, I'll have somebody make a comment like, you know, what who does she think she is, Kim Kardashian or something like that. Right. I've tried to avoid it, but they're there. And the problem with doing that is you really date the book. So mm-hmm. um, first off, by the time you write a book, another book will come out in 18, won't come out till 18 months or whatever afterwards. Right. And that time, that celebrity might not even be on the thing. But also if somebody <laughs> goes back, um, it's it's just a little strange. I mean, going back to my, uh, my uh, uh, Donald Trump uh, uh, thing. I wrote a book called South Street Confidential in 1989, um, and uh, the opening involved uh, Donald Trump. And people go like, "Oh, you know, Trump is, you know, like everything." It's like, no, this was the Donald Trump in 1989, and it had him on some boat. It was like, you know, the he was like the big wheeler dealer, a uh, right. real estate man, um, and he was on, you know, like you know the TV shows and stuff. He was like a personality. He wasn't a politician. And um, a few years ago, uh, HarperCollins actually reissued that as a paperback. But because of the nature of it, they didn't go back and re-editing it. They just reissued the hardcover. And, you know, and I'm reading it. And I'm opening. 
and it's this Donald Trump that no one knows. I mean, this is a different Donald Trump from right. like 35 years ago. So stuff like that can be a little bit uh, can be a little bit embarrassing. But the biggest issue I have in terms of uh, changing times and current affairs and staying up with times is the whole media, because as most people know, um, the media has changed dramatically, not necessarily mm -hmm. for the best, but dramatically in recent years. Uh, newspapers, as we know them, most of them have pretty much died or people stop reading them. People right. get all their news online. Um, TV coverage has totally changed because we have so many cable news networks and, and everything. Mm -hmm. Magazines, print magazines, all the great print magazines like Time and Newsweek and People have pretty much, they're, they're still there, but they're kind of like just a shell of what they were. And anything they are, they're online. So mm -hmm. all this is happening. And so how do you... How do you do this in the book? Now, in my other right. original books, you know, the reporter would like, you know, the classic <laughs> would go to the payphone and call the story in. Well, now you've got to get involved in things like, oh, they'll tweet it out or they'll they'll uh, they'll live stream something from the scene, you know. Um, right. And um, the trick that I have found is you have to capture a little bit of that, but don't dwell on it. So I don't want to give my reader like a lecture on media techniques in the year 2023 and how they differ. So right. obviously Claire doesn't run to a payphone. Obviously Claire <laughs> might tweet something, but I try not to make it too in depth. Um, and one of the reasons for that is simply that, uh, again, by the time the book comes out, uh, what I have her doing could be passe. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. she could be doing, she could be doing something and then, and then, eighteen months later, you're like, "Well, no, that, what is that? That that doesn't, you know, you know, that doesn't exist anymore." I mean, you know, the change, you know, like um, I live right down the street from BuzzFeed. BuzzFeed was one of the hottest uh, news uh, websites around for for you know, a few years ago. Yeah. It just went out of business, you know. Yep. So if I if I had her talking to BuzzFeed, then it would like be really weird in a book <laughs> that came out next year. Right. So these are these are all the, the things when you're writing a book. Um, I think that um, it's a lot easier if you set the book in another time period. Um, you know, Sue Grafton, I thought, had a brilliant ploy because all the Kinsey Malone books, you know, they started like in the, they were set in the 80s. Mm -hmm. So she did. She didn't have to you know worry about Google or anything her characters still use telephones and there were you know like three networks and things like that right um so you know that's that's one way to go the tricky part of that is you got to make sure you don't make any mistakes about the time period because you know you could you could be writing a book about you know uh, the 1960s say and you could have the character go into a cvs and then find out and I don't know the answer to this, but you could find out CBS didn't start until 75. You know, there are tricky right. little things like that that you can get involved in. So um, those are those are a lot of the issues that uh, that consume an author's time. Oh, I can imagine. And I know, like, what is it that show Stranger Things? Yeah. When that first came out, I think before I even watched it, the first thing I heard about it was they had a walkie talkie that came out like two years after the show right. was set. And I'm like, really, that's your big takeaway. 
but yeah, people do focus on those type of things. And I mean, like I'll admit it. I'll, if I know of a place, I'll Google it. If I read it in a book, just to learn a little more, I get into that kind of stuff. So I understand trying to make sure you're accurate there. And I can understand the whole purpose of what you're saying. Now, with that being said, do you really push much into like, I guess the side characters or the sub characters, do you really bring them out much or have them play a big part or how do you work with them? Yeah, that's, um, that's one of the most uh, important and challenging parts of a, of a book. Uh, obviously your main character is the main character, right? Uh, but um, they don't work in a vacuum. And right. uh, uh, in all my books, um, I like in Claire's book, she has a best, well, she always has like a boss. She has coworkers in the newsroom uh, and she has a best friend. She also has some ex-husbands that she has really. So I have like a yeah a group of people around her. Um, the trick is to make them not um, well a to make them interesting, you know. Right. Uh, and so they all have to have some kind of quirk or characteristics or something. Uh, you you don't want so like Claire has a best friend. So Claire, I describe Claire basically as she's like a terrific journalist, and she's great at her job, but her rest of her life is like a train wreck. I mean, she's been divorced three times. She gets involved in really bad decisions with men. Uh, Her personal life is just a nightmare. Um, So her best friend is the exact opposite. Her best friend is this successful woman lawyer who's very, has kids and a family and has her life together. And, you know, I did that specifically because I wanted her to be the opposite of Claire. And the two are friends because they are sort of opposites. Um, And it's the same thing with people in her newsroom. Uh, uh, There are some really crazy people in her newsroom. You know, like you want to have a, uh, and I'm dating myself here in terms of the TV reference, but, you know, you want to have like a Ted Knight or somebody from the Mary Tyler Mm -hmm. Moore show. You want to have like a really weird offbeat guy. Uh, You don't want to just have like normal people or news radio, you know, like all these shows, they they always had – they always had characters so you want to work at that the other thing that's tricky as an author and uh, you got to make them sound different you know so like when you're writing you have a certain cadence to you the way that somebody talks mm-hmm. so Blair talks in a certain way uh, one of the greatest compliments I've ever had is people have said to me your characters including your character mm-hmm. your main character like Claire she sounds like you you know, like she talks the way you talk. And I take that, like I say, as a good thing because right. I'm basically putting my voice into her and like mm-hmm. everything, the self-deprecating tone, the jokes, everything they say, that that's you, man, you know. Um, but when you're running the other characters, you can't have them all like Claire. So you've right. got to have different voices. You've got to have them speak in a different way, um, in, in a way that um, even if you're not doing you know, James said or Alice said that the reader will probably figure out who the character is based on what they're saying and how they're saying it. So the answer to your question is yes. That's that's no no book can uh, exist on uh, on a single character, no matter how great that character is. Right. So coming up with the side characters and also coming up with the um, 
with the bad guy, the villain, you know, which is also the other part of writing the book, which is you, you got to make the villain, you got to make the bad guy. You got to make him interesting. You got to make him formidable. So, mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's he's a real challenge for Claire. But he also has to be complex. He has to be interesting. Um, so all those things are, yeah, what what when I'm sitting down to write a book, these are all the things that I'm trying to to work out. Um, it's right, not easy so, sometimes. Not easy. Yeah. <laughs> I understand. Now, mentioning about the villains. Right. That, so, like, for me, I do really enjoy a good villain that you kind of love to hate kind of a thing. Right, right. What are your villains really like? Are they, like, just in the shadows? You don't really know who they are until the end? Yeah. Is it kind of you're trying to guess who they are or yeah, well, one of the things with, of course, yeah, you never know who the bad guy is in my books to the end. And that's part of that is writing in the first person. Because if you're writing in the third person, you get in the bad guy's head. You have him, you know, s- killing somebody or doing something in his view, and then you go back to the main character. So if you're doing right. multi-viewpoint or third person, that's completely different. And sometimes you may know who the killer is. I mean, you know, beforehand. Uh, but in my books... Um, you're seeing everything through Claire's eyes. Everything Claire knows, all you know is what Claire knows. And Claire obviously doesn't know who the bad guy is. I mean, she could, I suppose, but um, she doesn't really until the end. And I, I tend to have my villains run, or bad guys, what do you want to call them, run in two different kinds. One of them is, yeah, somebody who is very evil for the sake of being evil. I mean, I, I've covered a, a lot of, you know, I go all the way back to covering like Son of Sam and Ted Bundy and these people who just killed people for the sake of killing because they were horrible right. people. And those are some of the people in my books. Uh, those are actually the easiest ones to write. Right. Uh, the ones that I find sometimes the most interesting are the people who kill for, who are basically good people who do bad things for reasons that are very complex. Um, and so at the end of the book, you might find felt all in, almost feeling compassion for that person, you know, uh, mm-hmm. um, like I'm trying to think of an example, but like if a, if a, if a wife found her husband in bed with her best friend and she shot and killed them both, that's a terrible thing, but that it isn't like the wife is necessarily a terrible person. She did right. a terrible thing at a moment in time. So uh, a lot of my, a lot of my villains of bad pe- people are people that you can, you can actually feel some compassion for, although you can never condone, you know, the, the things they did. Now, you know, having said that, there's all sorts of great ways to write mysteries. And the example I always uh, love to use is uh, one of my favorite TV shows. One of everybody's probably is Columbo. And mm-hmm. I, you know, I always think like, man, if you came up with that idea and you tried to sell it to somebody, you say, well, I have this idea. You see, somebody murders somebody at the beginning of the story and everybody knows who did it. And then the next two hours is the detective trying to solve it. You'd be like, well, that's not very interesting, you know, <laughs> but right. it's a great show because of the character. So there are no rules. There's all sorts of different ways of, of doing it. Uh, but in my case, you, you really don't know, or hopefully you don't know who, who done it until the very end. Right. Which makes sense. So now 
you I imagine you still have more coming. Are you planning on expanding your Claire Carson? Yeah, yeah. So, so the last book in Claire Carlson is news to me, as I said, came right. out in October of this past year. That was like six months ago. The paperback version of that will be out in, uh, I think, uh, the, the fall, this fall. So that's in hardcover, ebook, and audible. And the, right. hard, the paperback will be out in the fall. I've just finished writing the sixth Claire Carlson book, and that's done it's in the can it's uh you know at the publisher that'll be out in uh, january of 2024 which is next january obviously mm -hmm. and it's called broadcast blues and um so yeah so like uh you can read the current one you can read some of the back ones uh there are four before this um they're all kind of standalone so like even though it's a series you can read one without having read the other i think i try and work okay. on that um but yeah, Broadcast Blues will be the sixth uh, in the series. And then at some point early in the year, uh, Dana Perry will reemerge. Uh, and Dana Perry, uh, God bless him, uh, <laughs> has going to have a series of three new thrillers out. Uh, it's from publisher, uh, Bookature Publishing in, in England, but they're, you know, they distribute all through the United States here. Um, right. And uh, they're... They're about an FBI agent, a female FBI agent like named Nikki Cassidy, who works out of Washington, but kind of travels all around the country chasing serial killers. And uh, there's going to be three books in this series. Uh, I've written two of them. I'm in the process right now of, uh, of trying to finish up the third book. Uh, I assume they'll be out probably, I'm guessing right now, late spring, early summer of 2024. But here's the interesting thing about this, and uh, you know, publishing schedules can change, but they are going to attempt to do something which is, I, I think it's relatively unusual, but um, I'm, I'm told has been done, which is all three of these books are gonna be released simultaneously. So it's not like one will come out and then the other will come out a year from now and the other come out. I think the idea comes from like, we all are into binge watching on TV. Right. So, uh, you know, a series comes on and we, we literally watch the series without stopping. Yeah. And the idea would be, the original idea was they would come out with one a month, sort of like an old fashioned serial in a, in a, in a movie house. Um, yeah. So like maybe the first one would come out in April, then in May, then in June. Now I think, and again, this could change, but the plan right now is they may even come out like simultaneously. And the idea would be that if somebody likes the first book, uh, you don't wait a year to read the second book. You just read them like like in one big stretch, like you're watching Ted Lasso or something. You know? Right. Um, and uh, I, look, I have no idea if that's <laughs> a good I've never heard of that concept, but I tend to. Uh, depend on publish I, I basically believe the people publishing my books know more about it the publishing <laughs> business than i do right. and uh i'm uh uh so i'll be fascinating to see how that that comes out but um so right now in 2024 there'll be broadcast blues then later there'll be three dana perry books the working titles right now are the nowhere girls uh the last one to die and the third one i still thinking of the title <laughs> <laughs> understandable if anybody has any suggestions feel free to pitch them to me yeah <laughs> so speaking of that so 
I have if people's trying to find you, I have a profile of you or for you on authorblurb.com where people can find you, get your links, everything that you've given me, even the long list of books that you have. They can find it all there. Where, if somebody wants to pitch that third book idea to you, <laughs> where do you suggest they reach out to you or find you if they well, want to find your can, other books? Well, they you can certainly reach out. This is how you found me, uh, Eric. Uh, you can reach out to my website, which is www.rgbelsky.com. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm on, you know, I'm all the normal places. I'm on Facebook as R.G. Belsky author. Uh, I'm on Twitter is actually at Aptic Bell, which is the name I use as a journalist. D-I-C-K-B-E-L. But I mean, the one go-to place, obviously, would be uh, would be R.G. Belsky. Um, but if you know, if you really want to have some fun uh, and find out some cool things about me, uh, anybody can just Google Dick Belsky on uh, on Google, and uh, <laughs> you'll read a lot about me as a as a journalist named Dick Belsky. And uh, I always say the funniest thing about that, I was in the business for a lot of years and did a lot of things, covered, you know, everything from Son of Sam to OJ to the Clinton political scandals to, you know, current day stuff um, I did at NBC. But uh, pretty much everything that's on, the majority of stuff you'll find about me on Google has to do with the famous, infamous, famous, how we want to say it, New York Post headline, uh, Headless Body and Topless Bar. And uh, I uh, somehow have become associated with that. I didn't write that headline, but I was in the but I was in the newsroom that day, and I played a part in it, and I've written about it. And uh, you know, it's uh, it's 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 just funny how it's become one of the things I've become known by. Is oh, he was the guy who was involved with headless body on top of his bar. It became the most famous probably headline of all time. And again, I didn't write it, but I've, I've been ma- managed to glom off some of the uh, notoriety and fame over it. So. I was going to say that headline definitely was comical. I saw it on your Twitter feed when right. I went and checked it out. So it got me a good laugh, chuckle there. But perfect. So I do appreciate you being here. There's, I have a feeling we could talk more about different things, different topics, and even go deeper into your books if we had the time, but I don't want to take up all your time today. I appreciate you being here. So this is going to be the end for everybody else. But if you hold on for me for a second, I'll like to talk to you for just a few more minutes. I'll pitch you in. (laughs) Thanks. So thank you for making it this far. Remember you can go to authorblurb.com where there's plenty of stuff there for you to find. Enjoy another author. Enjoy finding that book that you love. So take the time. Do me a favor, share, subscribe, enjoy the show, and tell others. Thank you.